Welcome back to the Dauntless Dreaming Podcast with your host Aniketh and Ankush. Today we are joined by Wally Khan. In addition to his academics as a junior at UNC Chapel Hill's Keenan Flagler Business School, Wally is the co-founder of the Wajir Startup Kit Project, which specializes in educating and funding local business startups in Kenya. Wally, Wally is also an active member in the UNC community as he represents both the Pani Project and the Pakistani Society at UNC. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Wally. Uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm Kitten Kush. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I've heard a lot about you through my friends over the last couple of years, and you know, it's interesting to finally meet you and hear about you through Ankush. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Anyway, let's let's go ahead and get right into the discussion. Um, can you briefly explain what is the Wajir Startup Kit Project and how did the idea come about? Oh yeah, of course. So the Wajir Startup Kit project is basically a um, a project that um, focuses on revitalizing and uh, encouraging the youth of Wajir Kenya. So Wajir Kenya is a part of Northern Kenya that has seen a lot of um, disparity um, within the economic sector and the educational sector compared to the rest of Kenya. And so what we wanted to do was we wanted to kind of level out the gap for a lot of the technical student graduates because um, what happens is, and what you see a lot of is um, a lot of the students, they graduate from technical colleges, but they don't have places to go. They don't, they can't, um, they can't apply what they learned in school because there is no business infrastructure there. And so what we um, sought to do was we sought to give them some sort of uh, mentorship and um, startup grants in order to catalyze their business goals and help them achieve whatever their uh, ambitions were, basically. And so with that, not only did we want to create uh, economic um, revitalization in the area, but we also wanted to give hope for the upcoming generations to, you know, work on whatever dreams or ambitions that they have. Um, because when you see that the support is there, um, you're more likely to do uh, what you want. And you told you told me earlier on, like when we first had this idea for this podcast, that you were working with someone close to you. I think it was Ahmed, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So how did he kind of bring you into it? Yeah, so um, me and Ahmed, we actually met through one of our mutual friends um, that attends Duke University. And so he introduced me to him and we got to talking about some sort of idea that we could do um, in one of our... Uh, countries or communities that we're from. So he's from Kenya, I'm from Pakistan. And we kind of started talking about a lot of the problems that we see in our communities. He said that uh, where he's from, a lot of the times the youth aren't supported um, comparatively towards, uh, like compared to the rest of Kenya. And I, I thought that that was a very similar problem. In a lot of countries, even in the US, like there's a minority, there's always minority populations that are disenfranchised and um, not given the same opportunities as uh, other students or um, other community members. And so we thought that a project like this could help um, the people of Ujir. And it would, it kind of creates a network of support um, while also impacting the, the Wajirian community there. Yeah. And like, I can, I can really relate to, um, I guess, Ahmed's and your story in that I too was also trying to start a non nonprofit about a year ago that was aimed at, you know, um, helping my community in India. Cause something that a lot of people don't know about me is I was actually born and raised there and I was very connected to my rural community. Right. Um, right. 
but of course those plans kind of fell apart with with COVID-19 and you know just to see what you guys have done and the steps that you've taken uh, I really admire that because I know what effort like what amount of effort kind of like you need to get to where you are right now yeah for sure yeah and um one of the goals I have for this project is um one like one day uh, in the future like expanding internationally to countries Mm -hmm. such as Pakistan or India because uh, like you said before like these problems exist all across the world so that would definitely be one of my uh, dreams to do bro first of all you know congrats on taking over such a such a fantastic project i'm sure you guys are making a lot of impact and you know one of the reasons we brought you up to this podcast is because you're such an example to uh to our community you know um i mean as much as we we like to joke about the pakistan versus indian culture in the community in general i think we're all kind of in this together and it's 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 truly an honor to see someone from our community really taking on something like this you know you're talking about giving mentorship and uh giving startup grants and revitalizing the economy by uh giving support to technical schools um in Virginia. like you know this is this is a fantastic opportunity you guys have taken over um but how did you guys even come up with this like i you know for me I'm thinking about, let's say, if I want to talk to Aniket about this. Um, you know, Aniket is like one of the only guys, like when we started the podcast, uh, it just kind of came out of the blue. But I don't just go up and talk to my friends about, hey, let's do something in, in Kenya and, uh, you know, revitalize the economy there. Like, how did this conversation even come up with, with, uh, with your friend Ahmed? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, honestly, uh, I would say that we did have a lot of conversations leading up to um, our proposal for the project. and. St- so at first we kind of just like talked about like you know our backgrounds where we're from what we've witnessed what we've seen and a lot of the problems that occur within our communities and so with that we kind of like um like i said before like we started intersecting a lot of similar uh problems that we saw you know um i i talked about how a lot of the times like the youth in uh pakistan um and even the youth here like uh when when there is no like support for them they tend to go towards like different avenues of financial support and so with those different avenues you know they could be violent they could be um sometimes even illegal and so mm-hmm. uh we really wanted to focus on that aspect um of like a larger problem of you know um uh, disenfranchisement for minority population and so um and in terms of like the proposal and the grant um i think ahmed are he he knew about the Kenyan Biddle grant because some of his friends had did it before and so he kind of um he kind of told me the idea too of applying and so we thought it would be a good idea just like uh team up and create some sort of idea that was impactful but also um that can go the distance of being um a project that lasts a while and creates a lot of impact in a community mhm and and i think something that like Ankush was kind of alluding to is there, there's a lot of people that will say they'll do something, but for mm-hmm. someone to actually take the next step and to actually pursue it and have something to show people and say, here, this is what we're doing. I mean, that, that, that's what separates, you know, doers from the people who, you know, again, just to stream and just sit there and say, say they'll do something and, you know, not do it. But uh, you, you kind oh, of yeah, mentioned, sure. you mentioned uh, the Keenan Biddle partnership, right? Uh, what were some of the obstacles that you had to overcome to secure that partnership and also like just verify yourself and make yourself appeal to, you know, people like the UNC and Duke communities? 
Oh yeah. Um. So the process of applying actually it took a while for us to do because first, like we didn't have the idea right in the beginning. So it took a a lot of brainstorming sessions. We talked to a lot of different people. Um. I know uh, Ahmed had a specific uh, like goal in mind, and we really tried to create like different ideas based on whatever he, um, uh, whatever he thought was an like applicable. A solution for what he sees in Kenya because he's from Kenya so he knows a lot better than me when it comes to the problems in his community and so we after like a lot of like brainstorming sessions talking to different people I guess that's why this grant is specifically very important and very uh, useful because it, it's a grant just for UNC and Duke students you know partnering up and um, initializing some sort of project and so not only do you have UNC support system, but you also get Duke support system. And so um, I know that Ahmed was talking to a lot of professors from the public policy school at Duke. And me, um, I wanted to talk to a lot of the business school's um, professors because um, one of the ideas that we added on was this mentorship idea. And so with this idea, um, we, it came to us because of our connections uh, with our professors who thought it had been a good idea to add this you know, try to create like a local network of um, students that had successful businesses in that area. So um, with the proposal itself, it took a while for us to do, but um, that uh, that long period of time was due to that continuous um, adaptations of where the final solution was. We also talked to a lot of professors and a lot of our friends as well. So it, it took a lot of effort to do. Yeah, so Wally, you, you brought up this, you know, this great points, and I was just curious about uh, what are some of the problems, I guess some of the, uh, some of the common problems that you've seen in, in Wajir versus in Pakistan, because I know you're very passionate about Pakistan, and we're obviously going to talk about, brush up on the Pani Project later on in the podcast as well. Um, so obviously one of the ones you talked about is having honest avenues, because you talked about you know, when people lack honest opportunities to make their dreams come true, they, they look for other, you know, not so honest methods to achieve the same goals. Um, so like, how, how did you decide to focus your efforts in, in Wajir? And like, how do you see yourself, uh, you know, taking that leap and taking the experience that you get from the impact that you guys make in Wajir and transferring that to, let's say, in Pakistan and other international communities? Yeah, so um, one of the, one of our initial conversations when we were talking about, you know, Kenya and uh, a lot of different countries, including Pakistan, um, was this, like, like I said before, was this idea of like, you know, disenfranchise, disenfranchisement uh, when it came to different minorities throughout a specific country. And so I, uh, I told him a story of how um, I come from, so he, he's from like Wajir, Kenya, which is like uh, more like Northern part of Kenya. And so I told him, um, that I actually come from like a northern part of Pakistan, right? So like near like the Himalayas, right? A place called Gilgit. And so there, um, it, it's very, um, it has a lot of mountains. It's cut off from a lot of the bigger cities. And so uh, with that, consequently, you know, there isn't that much of a, a, you know, business infrastructure there already. And so a lot of the students, they actually, they actually have to work like extra hard just so they can get more into like, you know, the city schools and stuff like that. And so, and a lot of the times what happens is a lot of these, you know, talented, smart students, they, even though they work hard, they can't make it because, oh, you know, they might not feel as they're good enough because there's no infrastructure there for them to, you know, keep progressing forward. 
And so mm-hmm. we always had, you know, these ideas of uh, some sort of like population that's always been like, disenfranchised. And so even in Pakistan where you have minorities of like different religions, you know, whether it be Shias or Hindus, they could be like institu- institutional barriers and stuff like that. And so we talked a lot about these barriers and we wanted to do something about it. And he said that this was like uh, specifically very prevalent in Wajir. Mm-hmm. And so he thought that um, it could be very beneficial for uh, them to do this sort of project. And so he knows um, another thing that really helped us uh, achieve this project was that there is actually a lot of uh, support and infrastructure being built um, for these uh, populations out there because there are high school, there's high school mentorships programs that um, in Wajir that are currently being done just to, you know, support that community that needs it. And so um, with that, I feel like it's, this sort of project can definitely be applied to, you know, Pakistan, even in the United States, I can see it being applied. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the things that this project does well is that it kind of triggers this hope factor that uh, some of the projects don't. Uh, With this hope factor, like I think I said this before, with this hope factor, a lot of the youth, you know, they become motivated to do a lot of the things that, you know, that they couldn't have possibly done before the project or something like that. And so with this hope, uh, it, it really does like revitalize the region and um, it can influence a lot of the other different sectors of the community other than, uh, you know, e- economics or something like that. So, Dude, it's cool like how you mentioned, did I hear it right, hope factor? Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, speaking of like hope factor, like have you actually heard from any members of the community uh, have you got any like letters or emails or anything talking about how you, like the impact you guys have made have like kind of changed, I guess, changed their life? Oh yeah. Um, so we haven't really received any letters as of yet, just because we're still in the preliminary stage. Right. Um, COVID-19 obviously had a very big impact on the project timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, from, from what we've heard from, you know, our mentorships, uh, our mentors, from UNC and Duke and a lot of the organizations we're working with, like the Red Cross, USAID um, and other organizations, you know, they really like this idea. They've actually like wanted to match our initial grant. And so mm-hmm. um, with that, like they, they know that it, it can be an impactful project because they've done similar projects in that region. And mm-hmm. so they, they're willing to support us and they always, you know, give as much guidance as possible. So that's, that, that feels really good for me because, and Ahmed, because, uh, these organizations they have experience working with um, they're working with people on the ground they've they've done ex- uh, projects before and they know what's successful and so if they're willing to you know match our grants and give us as much support as we want um, it, it really does kind of show us what path that we need to go on and it it gives us a lot of guidance and how much do you mind sharing like how much funding have you secured so far is is it? Uh, do you think it's it's enough for to to get the project going? I I know with COVID nineteen, it's probably, you know, it's probably really hard to you know, for you know, get yeah. it get into fruition. But I mean, how how's that going so far for you guys? Yeah. Um. So our our initial uh funding grant that we got was like twelve thousand dollars from Keenan Biddle. So that was the highest you can get, um, from that specific grant. But we've been talking like other organizations trying to match as many grants as possible. So I'm not like clear, 100% clear on how much money we've raised thus far. Um, because not only do we have to like talk to our other organizations and stuff, 
but we also, you know, need to come up with like a project timeline, something to show for it. So uh, I'm, I'm a bit hazy on how much we've raised total, but, uh, but you. you've always been asking other organizations, you know, to match and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and something that you've kind of alluded to already is you, you've talked a lot about how, um, you know, COVID's kind of impacted your timeline. Um, just, just dive a little bit deeper into that. Cause I know from personal experience, like, you know, during these COVID times, being a college student with our online classes and all these like extra layers of trouble, it must be hard to run this organization. Oh yeah. Um, so this project was already very difficult just because of its, you know, international scope, working with people on the ground in Kenya, talking to different professors, etc. And so it was already difficult. And uh, with COVID, uh, obviously our communications lines, they definitely, uh, some of them definitely just disintegrated, you know, like it was hard to just uh, communicate with a lot of people on the ground because of all the social distancing and stuff like that. And so um, one of the things that we really wanted to do was, you know, send our applications out, but it was hard to do that locally because obviously COVID, the pandemic was uh, occurring in that region and um, all throughout the world, basically. That's when it was, you know, reaching its peak. And so with that, we really, we had to like shift our model more towards like the online uh, platform and see if we can get as much awareness for the project as we can. Um, and so with that adjustment, we also thought of it a good idea um, if Ahmed actually, so Ahmed actually went back to Kenya to kind of, you know, catalyze a lot of our uh, efforts there because we saw that it was, our project was like growing at a slow rate. And so we thought it would have been a good idea to uh, have Ahmed there, you know, speed things up and, um, you know, work from that. Uh, we've been in like constant dialogue about what to do next and what we can do to you know, further the project during this pandemic, because it's definitely been difficult. Um, we've done like recent interviews, uh, or Ahmed, he, he, he wanted to do uh, like interviews for our first like batch of applications. Mm-hmm. And so um, with that, we, we weren't really like satisfied with a lot of the applications. So we were just, we're just gonna take some time just to, you know, uh, gather more information, and a lot of like uh, data analysis on what's going on and if we can meet with a lot of the stakeholders in that area to maybe restructure the applicants because we did have to we did have to modify it a bit because of COVID and so um, it's been a challenge thus far but I think we've been adapting pretty well as of now in the beginning it was rough um, but we're coming you know we're, we're just adapting to it and having creative ideas to somewhat uh, you know, go, go past the go around. At any point where you like, this is too much, like this is overwhelming. Like I need to take a step back, take a break or do something like that. Because I mean, I don't know about you, but me personally being, you know, isolating by myself uh, is definitely taking a toll on my mental health. And sometimes it takes that extra push to actually get something done. So have you had any of those like emotions or those difficulties so far? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think when the pandemic happened, you know, uh, I think it was, it was definitely stressful for everybody involved. Um, and then we saw the project kind of slow down and it kind of added a lot more stress than was needed. Um, but I think to just like overcome it, you know, we really did think about our uh, overall goal or impact that we wanted to create, why we're doing this. And that kind of mot- motivated us definitely to just, you know, push forward. We knew that 
hopefully these obstacles will be temporary. We can adapt and we can move forward because, you know, at the end of the day, we want to create that impact. We want to have that change in that community. And so um, with that, uh, it was just that that was honestly what really motivated us just to, you know, uh, overcome these obstacles because, you know, uh, not ha having efficient communication with your team down there can definitely uh, blur our project timeline as it did before. And so created a lot of stress, but we kind of just pushed through and had creative ideas. You know, you know, one, one big thing, you know, as we're communicating about this is what I'm noticing is just a passion. Like you and Ahmed, you know, you guys have found this common passion to really help the community and, you oh, know, yeah. kind of build a startup together. Um, I know Anike just talked about some of the problems with COVID-19 and stuff, but do you want to brush up on, your experience with, you know, starting a startup, especially, you know, <laughs> I know you guys kind of started early this year, but like now running the, running a startup amidst of COVID-19, um, do you recommend like having, you know, just going for a startup as, you know, as young of an age as you guys are right now? Um, I think, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, for me personally, and I know Ahmed for sure, like, I don't think his mind was at like, oh, let's create a startup to do this. Mm -hmm. but it was more towards oh let's do this why not create a startup so we had like you know our initial idea in mind and our goal wasn't to create some sort of like organization to uh you know get this amount of money xyz but our our goal at the end of the day and it still is you know create some sort of change so if your mindset is oh i want to create um some sort of change in my community uh, i think i think you should definitely go for it have some idea down um, I think uh, you guys can definitely speak to this as well. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure your goal, you know, was definitely to like uplift a lot of the voices uh, in our community uh, when it comes to like people doing projects and other sorts of ventures. And so uh, with that, I would say uh, we had the idea first and then, you know, the startup, the grants, all that came afterwards. Yeah, no, it's it's good you mentioned like the mindset and, you know, me and Kate and you, we all three can kind of relate with this. And I actually want to know your your thoughts on, and I could probably share a little bit of my thoughts on this question about, um, like, how do you take a leap of faith from being a sayer? Like, you know, because a lot of us in colleges, you know, we all like to, we have our dreams and aspirations that we want to meet. And we all say all these things that we want to do. And how do you think, what do you think distinguishes uh, like someone like you, like, you know, who's a doer from a sayer and like, how do you take that transition? Cause I think this is an, an important conversation to have, you know, especially all the college, college kids that are listening to the podcast right now. And especially like the freshmen and sophomores that are looking to bring a change into the communities. I think this would be oh, yeah. a, this would be a good point to, for them to listen. Okay. So honestly, I would say that, so I've done projects in the past where I just, you know, I didn't, I like, I didn't plan too much and I've just done it. Like, uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't really like a me, like even, you know, the Wajir Youth Startup Kid Project, uh, it wasn't really a me thing. It was because I, I surrounded myself with a lot of like-minded, motivated people. Mm -hmm. um, so with Wajir, it was me, Ahmed, and a lot, and we grew a circle of, you know, different mentors and uh, professors, et cetera. And so with this like circle you get, it kind of motivates you to you know keep pushing, keep pushing because it's not just you that's involved, but it's like this whole team that has the same goal. And so it creates this atmosphere of, uh, you know, motivation and uh, ambition. And so like, even like looking at like Paxoc, um, you know, founding it, it was, it was difficult, but it was, it was easier 
done because you know there was a it's a big community of Pakistani students at Chapel Hill, and they would have loved they love the idea of having a organization for um, or organization that represents Pakistani culture while uh, you know promoting a lot or showing a lot of its um, culture and you know social problems etc. And so uh, with that, once you have this like community, your friends are have this like minded idea. It, it it's all about you know motivation so you get motiv more motivated to keep doing what you want to do because you have this mm -hmm. circle of uh you know a circle of friends and um people that are just willing to have uh you know help you with this idea as well so um i think i would say if somebody did want to have like some sort of like big idea or they they know what they want to do and they're just maybe they're just hesitant to start i would look around and talk to different people and see you know if there are people like you that that are there that um, have like similar ideas and stuff like that, and so like creating a team and um, having that motivating factor definitely helped me for everything I've done. Yeah, yeah. and kind of to add to what Wally's been saying, um, in my personal experiences when I came to college, I was hell bent on starting something. I just didn't know what it was, and so up until this podcast, I've maybe had ten or. 12 ideas on different startups. Trust me, I can, I can speak to that. This man gets some wild ideas at times. <laughs> no, man. I like that. That's the entrepreneurial like, spirit. That's mm -hmm. really good. Yeah. And like with each of them, like I have nothing to show for, but for me personally, like I've learned so much about starting anything and, you know, shout out to my friend Ram. Uh, if I ever had any kind of ideas, I just go to him and people who are business minded and like-minded and I could just shoot off my ideas and they'd let me know like, hey, these are the problems that you'd run into. How would you overcome them? What would make your business successful versus somebody else's? And what I was able to dissect from that and take away, I think I'll be able to apply regardless of whether or not I actually, you know, set up a successful startup in the future. The most important lesson I've learned in maybe the last three years is that unless you do something, nobody will get attracted to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, mm. and, and so that's kind of interesting because uh, in the last week, a friend of mine recently got in touch with me and said, Hey, uh, I was thinking about starting an Uber with bikes. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait, hold the phone. <laughs> <laughs> if Uber with bikes could be a thing, you, don't you think someone would have already done it? Like just do your research and like explain to me, why do you think it'd be successful? Um, and the funny thing is it already kind of exists. I know Lyft, there's a Lyft ride thing. Uh, I know when I was in San Francisco, they had these lift rides where you could rent out a scooter or like a bike. So like someone is already, you know, doing that. So it's important, like how you mentioned about, you know, doing your research and seeing if the idea already exists. And I was going to actually talk about a bit about my experience. Um, I actually uh, worked with Lawn Chapel Hill where I was trying to make a food delivery app for, because of, you know, COVID-19, I was, I was trying to hopefully trying to work with the Carolina dining hall, to uh, help create a food delivery app where students can, you know, get their food delivered uh, without, you know, basically being safe from COVID-19 and without being too much in contact with other people. And the, the thing is like the idea didn't really work out because one, the thing is the school already had some plans with it and we, we didn't take the step, you know, we didn't, we didn't do the additional research to figure out if the idea already kind of existed. And it looked like the school already had some steps uh, that they were, they had some partnership with other organizations that yeah. we couldn't really jump in and do it. Um, so that, that was a good point that, that, uh, Anike brought up. Yeah. And kind of like to finish that idea. Um, this friend of mine, he's not even in college yet. And it's nice to see that he's having these thoughts already. And so 
by having this discussion, right, he was able to take away something and hopefully build on his original idea or even, you know, build the blueprints for future ideas through that. So any kind of interaction that you can have with anybody, like don't be afraid to share your ideas because at the end of the day, worst comes to worst. The idea doesn't happen, but you take away something of yeah. value that you can apply you to your next situation. Yeah. Right. You were you mentioned about you know Paxoc and uh, I like I like the way you know you say Paxoc and um, the thing is like me me I've been to a couple of Paxoc events in the past and uh, it's it's definitely one of my most favorite like organization at UNC because of such a thriving community like all the people in the community like all of them are like some of my favorite people in there um, they're good friends of mine and I've I've you know I've had. I've had such a good experience, you know, immersing in the Pakistani culture and like looking at the similarity because I'm a Punjabi myself and looking at, you know, the similarities between the other Pakistanis. Uh, it's, it's always, um, you know, it's always good to, you know, have, you know, see that. And like always, it just always makes you feel like home, you know. Um, I still remember like, uh, I think it was Ruj who brought some like homemade biryani and I, I remember like trying it out for the first time and I was like, God damn, like this tastes so much like, like straight up like homemade food because I haven't had homemade food for like three months and that yeah, was a good experience. But yeah, you want to talk a bit about, you know, uh, how did you start it? Like PaxSoc? I know this is something you started a bit early, but we've never really had this conversation, man, about like, how did you actually got into it? Yeah. Um, I, I think it really started like a lot of like a lot of our ventures at UNC. They kind of started uh, at Davis library. Uh, <laughs> uh, First word Davis library, baby. Hey, shout out Davis. Yeah. Shout out to First Floor Davis. Yeah, First Floor Davis. Uh, it was just a bunch of us, and we just kind of thought it would be a cool idea to, you know, have some sort of uh, organization or association of uh, Pakistani students. You don't even have to be, like, Pakistani. Some sort of, like, organization that kind of, you know, emphasize our culture and what it means to be Pakistani, stuff like that. Uh, because it, that kind of space didn't really exist before, and so we just thought it would be a cool idea. Um, and it wasn't really, like, I guess, I guess like starting it up, you know, we put a bunch of people in a group chat. Um, but, you That's know, how it up, is. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we thought we've always thought it would have been a cool idea because there had been uh, Pakistani associations before, before us, but, you know, during our, uh, during our UNC years, we had, we've never had one before until now. And so uh, we just thought it'd been a cool idea just to, show you know what it means to be Pakistani South Asian etc and we wanted that space because there are like a lot of students like I said before and so uh we just we just we just did it like uh we put a bunch of people in the group chat and we talked about it and we were like you know um the hype is there uh a lot of people want to see it happen and so we were like okay let's do it I was definitely rooting for it bro trust me yeah we I don't know, we I don't even know. have I think we just got we just got a seek seek community I think this year I, I think I yeah. saw it on Heat Life. Yeah. I've, I don't know how, like, how big it is, but, like, I wish I had that, like, my, you know, when I was in Kiran, like, back in my freshman, sophomore year, because, like, I feel like that would have been a perfect way for me to find out people that I can oh, consider yeah. myself close to, you know? And, like, you guys were, uh, like, one of the, like, people that like, I've always found myself close to, you know, being close to, like, my community. I always... I, it's funny like how like I'm from like the like the you know I, I get a lot of uh, jokes from my other friends who are from like the Pakistan side of Punjab and I'm from the India side of Punjab but like we all just have the similar like the same similarities and we all can just speak the same Punjabi language, language it's kind of yeah. crazy 
Yeah, and we honestly, you're... like, that's that's exactly what we wanted to, like, emphasize with this club, you know, like, um, a lot of, like, similarities, the unity we have with other students and stuff like that. Like, I know you came to the, the day we made all that food and everybody was saying, like, how, uh, like, diverse it was. You know, we had Brian. We had, the, we had, we had like, the karaoke night, remember? Exactly, yeah, yeah. And everybody, like, enjoyed that. And so we, we just wanted, like, a place, you know, where we can, you know, foster these connections, show uh so our culture and what well, with that you know comes a lot of like uh, a lot of like the problems that we've seen in Pakistan and stuff like that too so we just we just didn't have that platform for and we definitely wanted to do it uh this year or last year yeah yeah and and like you've shown your unity with the Chapel Hill community like you know with the COVID-19 response you along with Sangam and a bunch of other cultural based uh non like organizations on campus you guys took that initiative to what was it collect donations was it yeah yeah so um or one of the things that we like especially wanted to do with Paxhog was kind of create this like unity with other south asian organizations and there there are a lot of south asian organizations you know like you said sangam the uh the nepalese student association yeah uh, the bengali student association there's yeah. one about like mental health in south asia and so we just we we knew there was a lot and we wanted to like unite them um and so with the Black Lives Matter um, movement being uh, such a prevalent focus in the summer, especially we wanted to somehow uh, use that opportunity to unite a lot of the South Asian organizations. So uh, we created this fundraiser to um, help, I think it's uh, NC, uh, I think it was like NC uh, like aid for um, you know people that have been like wrongly accused of um you know whatever crime or cetera you know some sort of like legal aid fund. it was a legal aid fund and we contacted other organizations who have like a a fundraiser for um you know to support legal the nc legal aid fund uh we actually raised up a good amount of money i forgot how much money we raised but it was a good amount of money and we got to uh not only that but we also worked with um i think it was hindu yuva yeah that did yeah, the yeah. like this discussion the south asian community discussion of how like um uh black lives matter in uh through the south asian lens and how we can you know uh better advocate for black lives etc and so uh with that uh Paxal was part of that initiative as well and we got to um we got to speak about the fundraiser that we're doing and we got to uh we got to talk to other organizations on how they can be a part of it too and a lot of them uh, thought it was a great idea and we ended up raising like a, a very good amount of money with it. Something that I realized with this conversation is like that, that there's like a bunch of different cultures within the South Asian community. And oftentimes we always like bunch ourselves into like this one, like maybe Indian or Pakistani or Bengali culture, but like we never like look closer and see like even in India, there's maybe like five or six different cultures mm -hmm. just because of how vast the region is. Like oh, yeah, for sure. Ankush talked about Punjabi and then Pakistani has its own like, sp like spin on it and like has their own differences. South Asian culture. Cause I'm, I'm South, I'm South Indian, South, South Indian culture oh, nice. is also a little bit different than North Indian. So hey, our, our food is better. Just saying. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Dosa, Dosa definitely beats anything you have. Okay. All right. Fair mm. point. Fair point. But okay. I mean, I was just talking about chili paneer. All right. So like, you know, the chili paneer, the spicy savory taste of chili paneer is like, you can eat that all the time and like still feel good about it. Oh, Dosa, 
Paneer's still uh, my top five. Paneer's still my top five. But Dosa yeah. is my be- is my favorite. Hasn't yeah, Dosa is definitely my top three. I would say it's so good. It's really good, man. Yeah, but to kind of kind of like see like the differences, but then ha- like have all these different organizations on campus, but then be united in that way, kind of like reflects, I guess, South Asia in general. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Like uh, um, a lot of times, you know, like you said, we have a lot of different um, aspects of our culture, whether it be food, language, religion, etc. But I feel like there's also that, you know, a unifying factor, you know, uh, for example, in the summer, it was uh, how we can best advocate for, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, how we can uh, raise awareness for the Black Lives Matter movement in a, a, a South Asian land. And so that, that's something we can all relate to. We can all talk about, you know, the uh, like the anti-Black rhetoric that we've seen in the South Asian community. You know, um, we brought up, I think in the discussion, it was brought up uh, the fair and lovely stuff like that. Yeah. You know, those kind of problems, uh, it kind of, you know, they kind of, they, they cross country lines and it's, um, it, it definitely spurs this unity because we all have experienced it and we can all, you know, do something to, uh, you know, tackle that in the future. Um, and you were talking, so kind of going back to uh, PaxDog and I know we kind of went on a, on a tangent there. Um, you mentioned about, you know, the issues in, in the Pakistani community. And I know one of the big things that I used to hear a lot about was, was the Pani project. And oh, yeah. uh, I know you, you played a big role in that. Like, do you want to talk about uh, like how that came to be? Like, where did you see that opportunity? And I know you guys have, you know, done a lot of things. Cause I see like, you know, the post on Instagram about how you guys have actually, you know, made so much impact in, in the Pakistani community. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I think like, so the Bonnie Project, it was actually a, um, an organization, a nonprofit organization that actually started from uh, like a group of friends in the uh, University of Michigan. And so, you know, they, they thought it would be a good idea to help, uh, you know, help like tackle one of the biggest problems in Pakistan, which was, which is, you know, water insecurity uh, in a lot of the regions in Pakistan, you know. Uh, water itself is very hard to find. Clean water is very hard to find. Um, there's also like sanitation products that are difficult to find and like overall education on, uh, you know, cleanliness and stuff like that wasn't being advocated enough. And they wanted to do something about that. So um, they decided to create a uh, organization that uh, fosters this innovative space for you know creating solutions and educating a lot of like the local and international communities about um you know uh sanitation or water or you know just building overall like public knowledge about sanitation practices and so one of the things they do is they create wells in uh the rural parts of Pakistan so parts in Sindh which is like south Pakistan they create wells and um with that, we wanted to work with Bonnie Project to have uh, some sort of like well or wells in that area, just so we can, you know, also do our part and find uh, revitalizing sources of water for uh, the communities in Sindh or uh, Pakistan in general. And so uh, one of my friends contacted me about, uh, this was when Paxop was like, like running, you know, we had like initiatives going on. And so one of my friends contacted me about Bonnie project, um, and I thought it'd been a good idea for Paxop to get involved with it as well. 
Mm-hmm. And so one of the first things we did was um, we created, we did, uh, our goal is to just do as many fundraisers and just raising as much money as possible for uh, Pawnee Project because we believed in its goal and uh, we knew the impact that it can make. And so we did like a Medelli fundraiser where we uh, contacted Medelli to have a whole night just dedicated for raising money uh, for the Pawnee Project. And so mm-hmm. we did that. We act, we uh, raised up a lot of money in one night. I was actually very surprised. And all of that money um, we actually used for creating wells or some, doing some sort of uh, initiatives, you know, beyond uh, our organization. And so it was nice to see that impact, you know, come to fruition. And uh, I think like it was recently where uh, one of our wells that we built, um, they actually like constructed it all. And we, we got some of the pictures of it and it was like, it was, it was so nice seeing how, you know, how we like directly impacted uh, that community. And a lot of, a lot of pictures, you know, showed kids that they're so happy, um, stuff like that. And so uh, it was, it was just like working with these kind of organizations um, kind of, you know, supports like why we're doing what we're doing. Um, you know, working with Pawnee Project, we're actually working with, we actually, uh, had dialogues last year with an organization, uh, Kieran, it's called Kieran, which uh, helps advocate for like domestic violence, mm-hmm. um, helps advocate for, you know, the issue of like domestic violence and how that's a big problem in the South Asian community. So, um, you know, sometimes like Paxoc itself might not have, you know, had the infrastructure to go out in, you know, South Pakistan or wherever it is to do this kind of project. But, you know, if we have like connections that we can make with, you know, Bonnie Project or uh, Kiram, et cetera, uh, we want to definitely like go out and do that because we know the impact that can, they can create and any sort of relationship with them uh, helps us, you know, helps us kind of uh, reflect on uh, our mission, our goal as a Paxoc community. So it was definitely um, a very, a very, uh, impactful experience for me especially to work with uh organizations such as Pony project mm-hmm. so so like these two projects right one one you're like the leader of and then the other one you're more of like an active member how do you see those as being like they're, they're both very important roles how do you see both of them being important to the success of an organization whether it be Pony project or even uh um wskp yeah um I think so. I think even in the Wajiru Startup Kid project, having this, you know, having these alliances or connections with other organizations is very important. I I I love like Bonnie Project because it, like our goal in Paxoc has always been to you know, uh, celebrate Pakistan's culture and its people, um, etc. And so while also having some sort of say in a lot of these social um, problems and a lot of the, uh, you know, things that we see as individuals coming from Pakistan or being from the Pakistani community, we want to shed light on those experiences. And so, uh, we love Pawnee Project because they kind of help us do that in a way because they improve, you know, sanitation practices, revitalize sources of water. And so having these connections with Pawnee Project, uh, helps us, uh, you know, reflect on you know what we are as a organization and so even with what your youth project um although we have this like big goal of helping the youth you know 
make their ambitions come true uh, using our, our infrastructure there. We also work with other organizations, you know, even uh, other organizations such as the Red Cross or USAID to make that happen. So like these types of connections are very important. I don't know. I, I just felt like when I was part of some of these organizations that, I don't know, I, it just couldn't feel like I was doing enough. And, you know, your impact wasn't necessarily felt, at least not, um, like you couldn't see it for a long time, right? It was always like everybody has to work together and build for something bigger versus, you know, you being the founder of something and you're being, you being the main or at least the the top oh, yeah. of like the food chain and the reason for why some success happens. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, like I, 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 I can't even imagine like uh, a dumb out on work Pony project like does for, uh, you know, doing what they do. So you know, creating these wells, they probably have so many communication lines, dialogue with people on the ground in Pakistan, builders, etc. So that takes a lot of work. And, you know, um, uh, obviously, like, PACSOC, as of right now, doesn't have the infrastructure to do all that. Uh, we tried our best, uh, you know, we try our best, but, you know, we, we don't have the infrastructure at, at the moment to do that. So, or we didn't or when I was there, but uh, it, it really does, like, Although, like, you don't see the impact, you know, mm-hmm. of, you know, the hands-on experience, uh, it it really does motivate you seeing that end result, you know, because um, you do do some sort of work, you know, for the end result, right? Like, we did the Medeli fundraiser, and so yeah. uh, that took a lot of work, it took a lot of planning as well, and that was just, like, our small part in, uh, you know, fighting a bigger challenge in Pakistan, so we we always like strive to you know have some sort of say in like a bigger bigger idea or project and so uh one of the things i know one of the things we did um during uh ramadan right um and this was during covid was like at full speed everything was shutting down we we did some sort of um uh program where we helped a lot of people in pakistan that were um stricken with like uh, COVID-19 and its effects on our community and we wanted to raise up like money so we can uh, have I think it was like like, a, like a, f- a program where we like distributed like food and stuff like that other resources um, to uh, a lot of the Pakistani communities in that region that was stricken by uh, or suffering from the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, it's it's good. You know, it it's cool. Like how you just mentioned about, um, you know, how you're also helping people with COVID nineteen in, in your community, um, and especially with COVID nineteen, I'm sure we all can. You know, everyone that's listening to the podcast can relate with the feeling that we all feel discouraged to really, you know, pay attention and, uh, you know, focus on things um, these days. I I do too. Like, you know, I feel like I'm slacking off in my classes and. Uh, I'm I'm struggling to really find focus within myself to you know to work on the stuff that I need to do. Um, you know, one thing like I've started doing recently is like start meditating. So I'm doing that oh, yeah. for about you know 15, 20 minutes like every day in the morning, early morning to really keep my thought process in track and uh, just being able to practice mindfulness. Um, so I can I have a control over you know the things that I say and the you know the things that I do during the day, uh, making sure that I can get all my responsibilities done on time 
Uh, I actually wanted to ask you about, you know, how do you, you know, ensure that you create that focus within yourself, especially in these dire times, especially, you know, when you talk about looking for the end result with, with a startup, uh, like with Pani Project or with, you know, with Baji Startup Kid Project. Um, and how do you actually empower these communities? Because I feel like that, that must be, you know, that must be one of the hardest things or maybe, you know, one of the things that you just kind of do that naturally. How do you make sure that you empower people around you so they all feel motivated all the time to, you know, drive, drive the mission together? Yeah, and, and oh, yeah. Kind, of, kind of like to add to that, right? So, you know, working in these communities, especially like I know in India right now, everybody's in lockdown, or at least they have been for the last couple of months. And it's kind of hard to mobilize, I guess, people and get them to be active and a part of your message. Yeah, um, I think one of the first things, it really does start with you, right? So, um, and then and then it kind of trickles down to whoever, you know, your group is. And so, you know, like when COVID hit, it, it obviously affected a, a lot of us and, and our motivation. Um, it still does, um, you know, it's, it causes a lot, it causes a lot of like anxiety uh, and stuff like that, uh, especially in the summer. And I would say like, it, it definitely demotivated me to do a lot of the things, you know, um, with the Wajir stuff taking off and then like maybe like slowing down because of the pandemic and then uh, Packstock itself, you know, stuff like that, it, it definitely had a big impact. Um, I think like uh, one of the things, one of the things I, I learned because of the pandemic was that, you know, it's okay to have these kind of like emotions and feelings and it's not like, it, I guess in the beginning I would just like push it away like, oh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, xyz happened you know i i'm just like push through it push through it push through it but like it's okay just like sometimes just um accept that you have these big obstacles in the way and um one of the things i learned to do was you know just control what i can uh you know i can't <laughs> i wish i had the vaccine boom you know everything is fixed back to normal but uh obviously yeah. i don't so you, you really just have to control what you can going back to the wajir uh project I couldn't, you know, just revitalize the project with a snap of my fingers. Mm -hmm. So I just had to look at, you know, what could I control specifically that what I could do specifically and how I could, you know, help in catalyzing the efforts there. And so uh, same thing with like other projects, other organizations, uh, just, just when it comes to like troubling times uh, and I tell other people this, other, other people this too, like a part of whatever team I'm working on is, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very easy just to get, you know, lost in a lot of stuff that's happening, especially, you know, during this pandemic, during this era. So just controlling what you can and learning and moving forward is probably the biggest thing uh, I've, I've learned. Um, and just accepting that, you know, these problems are going to exist um, and not like pushing it away, but just focusing on what you can do, you know, it's all about your response, right? So what you can do individually to have a bigger uh, impact. Yeah, I think a lot of people have been feeling the same way as you and us, I guess. Just trying to do something more with your life than just, you know, just sitting at home and wasting away some time. Um, kind of to wrap things up, the, the last question I wanted to ask was just, you know, we talked before the show about what these different organizations mean to you. Um, just just touch a little bit on, you know, where do you see these projects going in the future? Um, what do you plan to do with the knowledge that you've accumulated? And, you know, just where is this going to lead? Oh, yeah. Um, so 
one of the things uh, for the Wajir Youth Project, especially, um, I think right now, uh, we just want to get that up and running. We want it to go. And um, I, it's probably going to take a couple of years to really like see the impact that we've created. Um, but hopefully one day I want to do this uh, in other places too, whether it be Kenya, Pakistan, India, et cetera, some sort of um, youth startup kit project would be so beneficial for um, in any community. And so uh, expanding that project internationally would be one of my goals. And it's one of my dreams to do. Um, and so for like other organizations, PACSOC and whatever um, other like projects or endeavors that I'm part of, I think like one of the things I've always wanted to do, and I, I guess like you guys are, that's one of your goals as well, is just have that uh, motivating factor for a lot of like different students coming into UNC, especially like uh, the South Asian students here, because you know, it's all, it, you do really get motivated by the representation that you see. And so when you see people that, you know, look like you, or have the same culture, uh, language, et cetera, as you, you do have that motivation to, uh, you know, take part and undertake in these initiatives and take big risks and create your impact. And so that's always been my goal. Um, I know like my sister, she actually, uh, she, she's actually enrolled at UNC as well. She's my freshman. And so mm -hmm. she, uh, I, she doesn't say it, but I can definitely tell like, you know, like her seeing me do this problem of uh, these projects has had an impact on her personally and she's always talking about you know what she can do stuff like that and so um it's it's always nice having that impact especially um for your specific community you know like uh like if i or i know any of you guys coming in freshman year saw how you know prominent uh, the south asian community is and how people you know do these like ambitious projects and help the community internationally nationally or even locally it would definitely been like a motivating factor for you, you know, to go out and, um, you know, pursue your ambitions to the fullest. So. Yeah, for sure. And and the thing is, I was talking to my sister the other day, she's, she's getting ready to apply for high school. I know, right. Big deal. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, hey, that's, um, a, that's a pretty big deal. All right. Trust me, middle school was tough for me and I'm pretty sure it was tough for a lot of people. Yeah. But, but oh, like, yeah, no, for sure. yeah, but I was like thinking about what extracurriculars I did and I was like, if I had half the interest or like the brains to just go out and do the things that I'm doing now, I would have been so successful by now. Not, not in terms of like Bro, monetary, like financial anything. <laughs> like if I just had the motivation to do a little bit more than just study and participate in a couple <clears> of <throat> projects just for, you know, a resume, I could have done a lot of things. So I think, you know, hearing this from us and hearing it from people that have done it before could be really motivating to anybody who's, you know, in that younger position, who's, you know, still got more time than us, even though we have a lot of time <laughs> to to do stuff and yeah. to make a difference. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, I, I don't know. That's one of the things I guess I didn't really teach you in like high school, middle school. Um, also, I, I got uh, one of the things uh, that it comes down to is, you know, how comfortable you are in that space. Um, I, I would say like I was like somewhat comfortable in high school, but, you know, always being surrounded by your community and like uh, people that are, are so motivating to you. Um, it, it definitely, you know, changed me as a person. So um, yeah, I guess I, I also, I wish they really taught, you know, entrepreneurship and social in, enterprise and stuff like that in high school. Cause like you said before, like it would definitely been a different story. 
I mean, th- there was an entrepreneurship class in my high school, but it was a blow-off class, so <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> didn't really I didn't learn much. I won't <laughs> even lie. I just, I just looked up all the answers on Quizlet for that, for that, um, for the <laughs> class. And like, it's funny, like how now I'm at, now I'm an entrepreneurship yeah. minor, like how things have kind of changed. Like, I yeah. think you know, you know what really makes a difference is like the opportunities that we all get. Um, yeah. I feel like I feel like even though my high school gave me a lot of opportunities, there were some other you know, experiences that we were lacking, lacking, right? Because, you know, you, you're, you know, you, you're talking about, you know, all this impact that you're making that's outside of academics. And it's, it's cool, like how, you know, people like you, Wally, that, that can make such an impact just outside of being around school and then like find your project, you know, your passion from there. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, now you're a junior and you're looking, looking back into, you know, when you started college, you know, you're, you know, it's a good feeling and I'm sure your sister one obviously congrats on your sister of being in Carolina now. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure she feels really proud of, you know, having you as her brother that you, you've actually really found your spot in the community and just contributed so much. And I'm very excited to see, you know, you're one of my good friends and I'm very, very excited to see where, you know, life leads you. Um, I mean, don't forget me when you're too famous, man. That's all I got to say. Bro, I want to say the same to you, man. Kush, if you don't Listen. know, is a very, He's a, if you're, if you're around him, he, he definitely like motivates you to always, you know, keep pushing. He has a lot of grit. And yeah, so, yeah, uh, for sure. If you're a friend of Kush, you definitely know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, speaking of grit, I'm, I'm a, I don't know if any of our listeners are, a, are an anime fan. I, I grew up watching Naruto. So that's a, you know, just shout out to Naruto, I guess, because I know that was like one of the anime that taught me a lot about <laughs> grit and like, never give up. I don't know if y'all, if y'all know the references. But uh, yeah, that's just pretty much how Naruto talk. He would always just say, "Never give up, believe it." So, yeah. <laughs> shout out to Naruto. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess we're ending the show on Naruto. I guess. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it. Great, it's a great show. Anyway, Wally, thank you for being on the show. Um, we'll thank leave you all for having me, man. That's so much fun. Yeah, we'll leave all the uh, social media stuff in the description. Um, feel free to check out what he's working on. Uh, feel free to reach out. I'm sure he's got a lot of things going on and he'll be willing to talk to you and get to know you, I guess. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's it for our episode. Tune in next time, whenever that is. For our <laughs> next episode. I mean, I I cut off like 10 seconds ago, so we're good. Oh, perfect, perfect.